Australia's premier user experience design conference. This is UX Australia 2018. Bill Darushi has over 25 years experience as a design director, creative director, interaction designer, information architect, writer and historian of technology. And he's one of the speakers here at UX Australia 2018. Bill, welcome. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. What are you loving about your time here at UX Australia 2018? Um, it's a lovely event. I mean, and I, I came here in 2012, so it's been six years since I've seen it last. It's probably twice as big as, as when we were here last time. Um, I love the speakers. I love the vibe that they've kind of put on for the event. Um, nice variety of speakers and, and content. And, and, and the people are just like the random people you kind of meet are, are just lovely, which is always, always a good time. Bill, your presentation here at UX Australia is on uh, design careers in the science fiction future. Um, you say that the, the world may be unrecognisable as we head toward 2040. <laughs> What's that based on? Well, it's based on, I mean, it won't be completely unrecognisable, but it'd be definitely different. And so if I think about like my career as a designer... Um, you know, starting out 20, 25 years ago when I was uh, more of a youngin, you know, than I am now, the types of things in the world are just completely different. Um, the web didn't exist yet, therefore mobile phones didn't exist yet, and so the kind of technology that we're using in, a daily, um, in our daily lives was different 25 years ago than it is today. Um, and if you look at all the different technology trends happening right now, it's a pretty fair guess to say that 20 years from now it's going to be another strange jump although we don't know exactly what that jump is going to look like um but it feels like it should be different i mean it won't be i mean we're all going to still have you know two legs and eating food and things like that um but i imagine society will change a bit in the next 20 years and i just kind of find that fascinating and how do you think technology will evolve with with new design materials i think what happens a lot of times is that and when, it, when new technologies show up, they kind of create new design challenges. So, for example, when the web showed up, it created new types of design challenges and new types of design jobs because there was a thing in the world that hadn't existed before, and therefore people have to make stuff for people to, for people to use. Um, same thing happened with mobile phones. Um, there were no mobile design jobs before mobile phones because, by definition, um, but now it's a big part of the industry. Um, you can see AI coming up is going to change things quite a bit. Automation is going to change things quite a bit. Um, robotics. All these things are going to change how people work and interact with each other. And whenever whenever those things change, those kind of create new design challenges, which create new, new design jobs. So with, with change in terms of technology and, and, and how it evolves with new design, then society, would you say... Um, adapts easily because if you look back in the last 25 years, we've we've embraced a lot of this technology, and we're, as you said, we still have two legs and two arms, and we're breathing, and right. <laughs> we're coming to conferences. Exactly. Um, yeah, society adapts um, in strange, in some ways for the better, in some ways for the worse. Um, there's, there's one slide I have in my talk where it's basically four people just looking down at their phones. They're all sitting in the same place, but looking down on their phones, and. That was a behavior that did not exist 10 years ago, really, because um, mobile phones were not that prevalent at that point in time. Uh, maybe at 15, but whatever. It's not really, don't have to be exact on that. Um, but so, yeah, just how we interact together as humans, it changes somehow. 
um, there's much more of an always-on kind of a culture now. There's, you know, people always have their face on their phone when they're walking. Um, these are new behaviors. And it's kind of fair to say that when other big technologies kind of show up and are like thrown into society, it changes our behavior um, in probably unpredictable ways. I wonder then if, if our behavior is changing, we need to then create technology to control, control that behavior change. Um, potentially, yeah. I mean, that's, that's the kind of thing where, you know, are you throwing the same thing at the same problem and just kind of, you know, piling on the technology? You know, or is it more, can we somehow, I don't know, rein in ourselves or be more aware of it? Um, and I think this is actually kind of where design shows up. So, sure, you could throw technology, you know, more technology at bad technology, and you're just kind of compiling the problem. Or, if you can kind of design solutions where, you're kind of affecting how people are interacting with the technology, which gets into just the design angle of it all, then maybe you can affect their behaviors in a way to where it's um, making it not as stupid. I'm not sure what the right word I'm looking for is, but um, just kind of bringing back the humanity in it all. I mentioned in the introduction that you uh, have over 25 years' experience as a design director and you're a creative director, interaction designer, information architect, a writer, and historian of technology. How did you get involved in, in this field? Um, I think for a lot of people from my generation, very randomly. Um, for those of us who were just starting design basically when the web showed up, there was really no um, precedent for it. So a lot of us came from different disciplines. Um, I came from basically doing book production. So for a few years before the web showed up, I was essentially a page maker monkey um, making textbooks, making computer science textbooks, you know, learning a lot of fundamentals of design and layout and communication on the written page. Um, and I got into that. Honestly, it was the first cool job I found out of college. Um, and so a lot of it's been accidental. And I think that What's interesting about the design field is when the technology keeps kind of shifting every few years, it creates new opportunities. And so I think my career has kind of followed that path, whereas new things arrive, I'm kind of like jumping around. So when websites got more complicated, I kind of went towards information architecture. Um, when devices became you know, a lot more, when the UI was more embedded in a hardware device, I kind of went towards interaction design. And so you just kind of, the career kind of evolved, you know, I think along with the technology. I mean, I don't have, I didn't go to school for design. Definitely did not go to school for UX because it didn't exist at that point in time. Um, but now, you know, the kids can get, uh, you know, schooling in UX. But then again, probably 10 years for them, something new is going to come up that they did not, could not have gone to school for. And they're going to take some kind of lateral move toward whatever the new thing is. Bill, you've, um, you've also worked on products for monitoring, uh, maintaining, and overhauling uh, jet engines. What was that like? <laughs> um, in a way, kind of humbling. So this was at, at GE. Uh, I was at GE for about five years. And about three and a half a years of that, I was directing a team that was dedicated to working with GE Aviation. And that's essentially helping them maintain their fleet of 30,000 jet engines. Um, because GE engines are about two-thirds of all commercial flights, uh, passenger flights. And that was fascinating because I had no clue how the industry worked kind of coming to the job. Nobody on our team had any idea um, 
the details around this industrial space. It just, it's not the kind of thing you, you, you just learn. Um, but it was kind of awesome because it was a very hairy systemic problem. Um, one that you can kind of grasp the fundamentals of it. You want jet engines to keep flying safely and in the air and not crash. That's a kind of a baseline thing. And you start learning all of the processes and the things that they have to do in order to understand the health of, health of a jet engine, what they're looking at, how they analyze it, how they think about it, um, how they react to problems, when do they make decisions on when to take an engine offline, in off-wing, and so on. And so it's kind of fun because we were allowed to kind of start with a base principle of the safety of a single-jet engine and just kind of just dig deep from there and on into all the details. And after about three years, I could actually was able to speak with the people at aviation who had been there for 20 years or so with enough uh, depth that we could have a, have a pretty good conversation about how to tackle different projects. It was fun. Yeah. Uh, you've also worked in the, the field of, of personal banking. What did you do there? So there was a startup called Simple Finance. I mean, was it still exists. Um, that started as Bank Simple in about 2010 is when they first kind of kicked off. And that was a, a reaction to the financial crisis in 2008 when everything kind of caved and everybody was hating banks and it was a very anti-bank point in time. Um, it was kind of punk rock in a way. Um, and so the, uh, the three founders decided we we're going to start a different type of a bank. And so I was in the first crew, uh, the first kind of round of hires to... Um, just create this new banking service. Um, it was a fascinating challenge in that we had to communicate that we would do bank things, but we weren't technically a bank. We were not legally a bank because it was a service sitting on top of a real bank in the back end. So it was kind of a dance of how to communicate features and things that it could do when it was still kind of, it was still a degree of, well, if it looks like a bank, it talks like a bank, that must be a bank. I mean, you can, there was a debit card, you can see your transactions, ATMs, all that kind of thing. Um, it was a fun challenge. And in, in addition, you've uh, also uh, played in the area of, of uh, satellite radios and uh, calculators and medical monitors and home, <laughs> home dialysis and, and, and even, even air conditioners. I mean, you're passionate, equally passionate about, about each of those, those fields. I mean, was it a natural transition to move from, from one field to the other in, in your line of work? So that was at a consultancy. So for about six years, I was at a consultancy called Zeba Design up in Portland, Oregon, and they were at core an industrial design company that was um, designing different products. And many of those products had an interface of subtype. Um, so I was able to switch every you know, three, four months or so to different types of products. So for a while, I might be working on a satellite radio. Now I'm working on an air conditioner. Now I'm working on a DVR. And so I wouldn't say I was passionate about any of those per se, um, but that whole collection of how do you simply create a physical interface on top of a product um, was, was pretty fun. And in 2018, what are you focusing on uh, this time around? Um, this time around, <laughs> 2018 has been interesting for me because I've taken some time off. Um, my time ended at GE uh, several months ago. And so my wife and I intentionally took a lot of this year off in order to kind of refresh, regroup, did a little bit of traveling. 
um, like coming here to Australia, for example, um, and really kind of just kind of reassessing you know, what's next, which has been you know, kind of a humbling exercise in a way. Do you know what's next? Well, I'm looking for work. I'm looking for a job. I, mean, I, I know the next is having a job somewhere, um, but I know it, it needs to be somewhere with, with the systems thinking kind of approach to it. Because I think that's where I really enjoy working. It's like a kind of a big, hairy system that needs to be understood and distilled and explained and addressed in, depending on whatever the problem is at that point in time. So kind of a, a big, hairy problem. Um, so basically just finding a company of solid people that I happen to get along with, working on something that is provides some kind of good in the world. Well, we wish you all the very best. Enjoy your time, the rest of your time in Australia and here at UX Australia 2018. Thanks, Bill. Thank you for having me. This has been fun.